the number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode 160 of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. Today, we're going to be talking with Brandon Richardson. Uh, he's the founding partner and owner of Sotheby's International Realty, the Wanderlust Group sales office in Nosada. As many of you know, Nosada is one of the most sought after destinations in the country for investments and also tourism. So today we're going to be talking to Brandon about his experiences uh, and where he thinks that Nosada is going to go in the future. Um, I believe this is the first time that we actually have a realtor from Nasada. Uh, I've been trying and trying, but finally, um, we basically, I think, got the number one realtor in Nasada. no offense to anybody else if I have offended, um, to come on and talk to us kind of about what makes the area so special. Uh, as many as you know, it's kind of one of the most talked about uh, places in Costa Rica and also probably one of the most expensive as well. I think it's up to $1,500 a square meter uh, in some areas. So, but remember guys, if anyone wants to reach out to us uh, about doing anything in Costa Rica, we're working with quite a lot of you guys, helping you find the right investment property in Costa Rica or finding the right location. A lot of the time you're confused by locations uh, and we are pretty good matchmaker with locations. So um, then that, and then going a little bit deeper into understanding really investment that you're trying to make uh, or the lifestyle that you're looking for, just to make sure you make the right decision uh, when it comes to investing in Costa Rica. You can reach us info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. And our contact details are also in the description down below. But enough of me, let's get straight into it. Good morning, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, you too, man. I really appreciate I was actually thinking the other day, I think, I don't think we've had anyone that works in real estate in Osada on the podcast before. So you're our first after 160 episodes, which I can't believe. Well, you got the right guy. Exactly. That's what I said. In the intro, I said we got the number one guy. I'm sure I offended quite a few people by saying that, but um, yeah. anyway, so... <laughs> But well, let's get a uh, let's get straight into the in, into the podcast, just because, again, it's an area that's of great interest. It's very well known, um, you know, and I think yeah. over the last kind of 15 to 20 years, it's really developed heavily. Um, but the question that a lot of people are asking at the moment, you know, with like inflation rates worldwide kind of creeping up, you know, economies slowing. How has this yeah. been? Have you seen this hitting Costa Rica, but more specifically, Nosada and Nosada real estate? Yeah. So I mean I'm I'm definitely very Nosara centric. Um, my my whole career has been here going back to 2001. So I know this market very well. The greater Costa Rica market not so much. Yep. Um, but you know we had obviously post pandemic was you know a wild ride. We had two and a half three years where the market was um, just on fire and it was a lot of fun and there was some great transactions and. Um, and then last year we definitely saw a slowdown and, but it was really, uh, not too much of a slowdown in interest. It was more, we had, I think with the fed, you know, adjusting the interest rate and things like that, we had buyers coming down expecting to find, or maybe hoping to find, uh, really deep discounts and yeah. our sellers weren't interested in doing that. And so what we had was just kind of a stalemate. Um, thankfully in the last month or so, we've really started to see that fall out where it's just gone back to more of a standard market where, um, sellers understand they're going to have to negotiate buyers are making reasonable offers and we're starting to get deals done again. Yeah. 
I, I think the whole country kind of is starting to see that. Uh, I mean, I think the interesting thing about Nosara is it's probably some of the wealthiest people in Costa Rica uh, and in to some extent, potentially the world, you know, have, have relocated or have property in Costa Rica and, and the majority of them are cash yeah. buyers. So it doesn't have a huge impact for probably a lot of them, you know, heavily discounting properties to sell it. You know, they're just willing to sit on it. Correct. Correct. And, you know, our market is always bolstered by the fact that there's just always a lack of product. There's just yeah. not that many properties in Nassara. And so that is just like a backstop for stability uh, in a lot of cases. Yeah. I, no, we've seen that in other markets as well, where, you know, the demand certainly outstrips the supply. And I don't see that changing for Nosada. Again, I think a bit of a leveling off, but that tide is certainly higher than it was pre-pandemic. Definitely. And, you know, so what we're seeing is normal kind of growth where we've had the, the post-pandemic rush um, really brought some communities that were considered on the fringe into the spotlight. And so we've seen some of the outer markets. Um, there's a community just outside of Playa Garza called Delicias. Um, that's gotten very popular. You know, the sales agents love to re re uh, refer to it as the Brooklyn of Nassara. It's become the more affordable hip area, which I love. Um, and then even north, as far as Ostinol, um, we're seeing Ostinol start to gain traction as well. So, yeah, there's always a demand for that prime time, you know, in the original, you know, Guiones downtown. But um, definitely people are starting to find and understand the value of being a little further out. Yeah. I mean, where do you think the there is opportunity still, Brandon, in the market? Like, where are you personally investing, or where would you be investing? Yeah. So I'm I'm an active investor locally, um, and I I mix it up. I think that if you're going to invest um, in Guiones and into the main part of the original community, that the investment almost has to be construction. It's harder to find raw land deals, but you can drive value by designing and building something that's attractive and, and on brand for the community. And then I also have um, properties both north and south. In particular, I really like Ostianal. Um, it's a cute little Tico community. And there's the trick with Ostianal is there's not very many small properties, um, but that's also part of the attraction for the people who are investing up here is that they're ocean view properties. You can walk to the beach. Um, but they're, they're larger, you know, most of them are at least two acres in size. So a little more exp expensive, but, but great value long-term, I think. And I mean, when talking about these areas, to so just put it in perspective, I mean, how much would you say a square meter is in Nosada, uh, you know, in mm -hmm. Guiones compared to say Garza compared to Ostianel, just so that people have an idea of, you know, uh, sure. what they're doing. With so I, I'm not a huge fan of price per square meter because I find it to be deceiving depending on the size of property. But sure. as a range, um, Playa Guiones, the, the main part of the community is probably between 500 and 900 a square meter, yep. where if you move out into Ostianol, you're probably looking at 150 to 200 a square meter. Um, Delicious is probably in the 90 to 130 a square meter. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that that gives people an idea of just the variation there between Nasada. I mean, you know, people always ask me, they go, Rich, how did Nasada happen? You know, yeah. and, I, and I'm always like, well, from what I um, from see and understand is like, it was already subdivided years and years and years ago, right? Yeah. So Nasara has a really 
kind of fascinating history, especially if you're, you know, a real estate geek like I am. Um, you know, the the community was Costa Rica's first expat community. So in the late 1960s, a group of developers came down, they bought up about 2,000 acres of land, and they set about subdividing and creating their original plan was, um, you know, a golf course retirement community. So a big part of our value and, and what draws people here in the communities built around this is that the community was master planned. So it wasn't just a fishing village that was kind of developed haphazardly. And thankfully, somebody smart in the 80s decided that the golf courses were a bad idea. And all of that land was converted over to parkland. So our community has large tracts of parkland that are wound throughout the community, um, including our beachfront and maritime zone that was donated to the Osunal Turtle Refuge. And so we are a conservation community. There are uh, large sections of our main main community that will never be developed yeah and you know a lot of people like to compare Nosada and Santa Teresa and I'm like you can't compare them they're very different people and it's a very different vibe you know Santa Teresa is more of kind of like a beach surf town and probably throw some party in there as well and disorganization yes whereas Nosada is a little bit more organized not that you'd know sometimes driving down the roads but like in its with regards to its it's beachfront, it's natural parks. Like, I think in Santa Teresa, you could start a chainsaw and not, not much would happen. You do that in Nosada, in two seconds, someone's going to be there. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I love about Nosara is it, it, it's not everyone gets it. And I think the best brands are like that. You know, the people who understand Nosara and want it, I would argue nowhere does it better. Um, but there's definitely people that show up and just don't get it. And, and that's great. Um, in terms of Santa Teresa, yeah, they've been our, you know, kind of competitive sister community for a long time. And Santa Teresa has some incredible components to their community. The restaurants are amazing. The natural environment, if you're a high level surfer, they've got incredible surf breaks down there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very different vibe within the community. I think they're a little more party centric. Nasara's very wellness driven, very family oriented. Um, not that you can't find wellness in Santa Teresa or that you can't find party in Nasara, but I think overall that w- that's how I would kind of separate the two. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree as well. I always, you know, I always, for you know, Playa Grande always reminds me of Nasara years back. I don't know if you've been in because of the subdivision. Because of the subdivision, yep. because of the national park, I'm always like, you know, could Playa Grande one, be, one day be Nosada? I think what Playa Grande potentially is missing is those, the hotels like the Harmony and, you know, um, yeah. it, it doesn't have that yet. And I don't think it has the water infrastructure in order to be able to develop that. And what's existing there, you know, um, you know, I spoke to one of the hotel owners there who has a hotel up for sale and he's like, Rich, this place will never make money. Like this is a this is like a um something that people do for conservation and love. Like the property won't make, right. you know. So and I think that that's kind of the thing that where I'm with with Grande, where I'm like, look, I think the thing holding it back is that that linchpin hotel because it just doesn't have it. Yeah, I mean, Nassar. Again, I've been kind of in it for a long time, and so it's been this fascinating. We've spent a lot of time trying to find out what the secret sauce is, right? 
And I think it's a little bit of, we got, you know, there was some early planning and some smart people at the helm um, that set a tone. We got lucky with, you know, high quality investors like the owners of the Harmony Hotel that came in early. Um, even though it was extremely painful for me, the 2008 downturn was really healthy for the community. Um, it scared away some investors that were, you know, on track to do some poor projects. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I'm not sure people really understand, but as as a surfer, you know, the Playa Guiones is an absolute phenomenon in the world. And I, the way that I talk about it to my clients, because people are more familiar with like snow skiing, is Playa Guiones is like a green or a blue run every single day of the year. And there's not very many, if any, you know, beaches in the world that you can literally surf every single day on any tide, no matter what. Yep. And it doesn't mean that the waves are always going to be perfect, but you can literally paddle out and catch a wave every day. And the wave itself is ideal for beginners, intermediates, families learning together. If you want to teach your kids to surf, you know, I mean, it's just, it really is incredible for that particular surfer. Whereas I love Grande. I go up there, I can get barreled. The offshore winds are great, but my wife doesn't want to surf in Grande. Yeah. And so that to me is also a big factor. I mean, Nassar really, where Nassar is now is for mostly factors that the original developers could have never predicted, yeah. which I think is kind of amazing. I think that's the beauty of Costa Rica of a lot of it's all organic. Like it just happened. There were these elements all put together. There was no, there was like a good foundation, but there was no 30, 40 year vision that someone was hammering. Like it, a lot of it organically happened on this just great foundation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, I think it's also one of the things I like about the community is even though Nosara has had all this growth and, um, you know, it, it, it's grown, it's still very much a community where people need to participate. There's still things that need to happen to keep the community on a good path. And I really think that that's what makes Nassar special is that people who live here and move here take that seriously. You know, yeah. people are contributing and engaging and, and that's a big part of life here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think that that's what makes beach towns really succeed is having a really strong community. So, it's not always easy, <laughs> but, it's not, but yeah. especially where the rest of the world, like community is being, and, you know, COVID didn't help kind of, you know, is, you know, eroding away slowly. Whereas in Costa Rica, yeah. you know, I mean, community is a big part of the culture here. Absolutely. I mean, that's an, a big factor for us that I've seen over the years, which is, um, you know, I mean, regardless of where you are politically, people are uncomfortable in North America. I mean, because yeah. we, we also have a huge, huge Canadian contingent um, that, that has bought and, and continues to invest in Nosara. And a lot of it has to do with just, you know, feeling uncomfortable. It, COVID politically, you know, there's all these different things that have people, I want to say nervous, but just seeking. They're looking for something that, hey, I think there's maybe a better way to do this or, um, and whether that's full-time or part-time, you know, it's the lifestyle is here for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Well, let me just change gears a little bit because I always like to bring in the vacation rental element, you know, of, of, yep. of, of things, and especially in Nosara as well. I mean, if you were to create, if there is such thing as a perfect vacation rental in Nosara, what attributes would it have and why? Uh, and then yeah. I'll ask you the second question after that, which is like expectations, you know, on returns, but like, what would it look like? So definitely our best vacation rentals are three to four bedroom homes, newer construction and architecture design. We've seen a strong push in, um, you know, the tropical modern direction for architecture. Renters love it. You know, my theory on that is that that type of architecture in the U.S. is a lot of times out of reach, you know, financially for most people. And so to be able to see a really cool uh, tropical modern home and rent it and experience it for a week, I think is a big driver for people. Um, that's not to say it's the only architectural style, but that's definitely the trend right now. Um, walking distance to amenities in the beach trumps everything. People, you know, on vacation love to not have to get into a car. Yep. And so that's definitely our, you know, our kind of dream, dream rental scenario in terms of returns. Um, you know, I think it's kind of, it's not too difficult to hit that five to 10% return. But as you mentioned earlier, our clientele is a little bit different in Asara. Um, you know, we three years ago joined forces with Sotheby's. And so our clientele, you know, I'm dealing more and more with clients who, really are only interested in renting a few times a year to help cover their costs or in a lot of cases not at all yeah. um there you know there are people who are definitely you know running that airbnb business and and churning clients through and, and the cash flow can be really really good um but definitely we're seeing a shift in the community where i think more and more people are moving away from that too yeah if you were to do something out of the ordinary if it was to be a vacation rental in let's just say in Costa Rica, uh, rather than just Nosada, just something that's not there or something you've ever thought of. Uh, does anything come to mind? In terms of what I think would be a, a, an interesting thing? Yeah, I mean, like for me, I've always thought about tree houses. Like nobody really right. does luxury tree houses in Costa Rica. Like we have luxury tents with Nyada resorts, but like where's the funky, cool, you know, Robinson Crusoe yeah. style tree houses? Yeah, I um, to me, it's waterfalls. I, yeah. I think, you know, there's something so magic about waterfalls. We have a, a spot that we love to go to in the mountains called Carolina Lodge. Um, the, the cabins are very, very rustic, but we have a cabin we love and it's right on this river. You can walk down a path, jump in. There's waterfalls to play in. There's something just really magic about that. And being Costa Rica, the waters, you know, we go to waterfalls in the US and the East Coast and the water's freezing in North Carolina or something like that. And yeah. so here it's, you know, comfortable and, and it's, I think they're really special. So I would say, you know, people targeting that for vacation rentals is a really interesting angle that I've never seen. Yeah, I was on a property in Manuel Antonio a few months back and I think it had like 15 waterfalls and the client was talking about yeah. doing lodges with its own private waterfall and like swimming hole. And I yeah. Like, That's yeah, really yeah. Cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, we, you know, part of my love for real estate is that creative component. And Costa Rica is so good for that. You know, I mean, compared to most places in the States, the zoning and uh, constraints that we have here are so much less than what most, especially Americans are used to dealing with. And so to be able to come down and invest and create something both 
incredible local materials, um, you know, sustainably farmed hardwoods, all of that to me, if, if anyone is in that kind of creative space, like that's, you know, it can be super fun. That's the best part of investing here is not only can there be great returns, uh, but also it can be super fun. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I usually say I don't do anything unless it's fun. Um, and I let yeah. like anyone that I work with know that I'm like, guys, but I like it's part of our philosophy here is to have fun. So yeah. if you're not going to have fun, don't come. Well, and it's so important because that that's a through line. You know, if you have fun creating it, the chances of you connecting with an audience or a market that want to rent it, they're going to feel that or see it or, or get to experience it. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, you've probably seen quite a few people make some mistakes over your uh, 20 plus years you. in Costa Rica. I mean, yeah. you know, buying property in Costa Rica, what are the common mistakes that you see people make and how can they be avoided? Or what advice would you give them? So, <laughs> you know, I think one of the things is not, not working with um, the right professionals. You know, I, I do think that there is a lot of value in working with a, a realtor or somebody to help guide you that not only knows the local market in terms of being able to show you around, but can speak intelligently to the legal process and the risks and the liability and this type of stuff. I think that is, is the surest way to kind of get right footed from the beginning. Um, outside of that, you know, I think people tend to come down and fall in love and they get excited. And we see this a lot where, you know, they come down and they've got an $800,000 budget all of a sudden, well, if I did this and I got that and I talked to my cousin, we could spend maybe, you know, a million or a million too. And I always encourage people like, look, stay within your budget, keep it fun to our earlier point. You know, if, if you reach to make it happen and now it's stressful because it's not comfortable financially, you know, that, that sucks the fun out of it. And then it, then it's a job versus, you know, a great investment. So those two things, I think, um, yeah, working with vetted professionals and staying within a budget are two things that I think would be great, you know, to keep you on track. That's great advice. What listing do you currently have, Brandon? I always like to ask um, people this. What listing do you have that, you know, interests you and that you still believe delivers value? Yeah, you know, we, <laughs> it's funny. It's a good question. I, for me, as an investor, I always have my eye on at least, you know, three or four things that are interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, but right now we've got, let's see, in Delicious, the community I mentioned earlier, there's a 50 acre farm that has a waterfall and a swimming hole um, that is, it's raw land, has no utilities on it, um, but it's very much right on the edge of where everything is going. There's some developments coming up around it. Um, that's on the market for about $10 a meter. Um, it's a bigger chunk. So, you know, but I think... I think that's a great value for somebody that either wants to do, you know, a ranch where they have a home and 50 acres for their kids to run around and just have a ton of privacy. It could be four families that want to join up and take it down together, or it could be a developer that wants to create a project and it, it, it ticks all those boxes. Yeah. Um, so that's one more on the edge. And then more in town, we have um, a client who's worked with us, over the years and he has a handful of lots in K section and he's my favorite type of seller and that he's knowledgeable and you know, he's not, 
he understands the market and actually wants to sell. And so yep. I think um, those lots are fantastic as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if anybody's interested in them, I'm going to be putting all of Brandon's uh, contact details in the description anyway, so you can reach out to him. But my last question that I love to ask everyone, Brandon, if you inherited $500,000 and had to invest yeah. it into a business or real estate in Costa Rica, what would you invest it in and why? Uh, you know what? I love raw land. Um, With you. Low carrying, low carrying costs, no mm -hmm. operations, um, you know, I joke often that my two main investment strategies are buying yellow houses and painting them white. And I buy overgrown properties and I clean them. And uh, it's, it's amazing how much value you can add just by making something, you know, look a little better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Brandon, this has been amazing. I really appreciate uh, you taking time out of what I know is a very busy day with us here. Um, again, as yep. I mentioned, I'll put all of your contact details in the description, but really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yep. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Awesome. Have a great day. All right. You too. Hey guys, hope you uh, enjoyed that podcast there with Brandon uh, talking about Nasada. Again, he's been there for, you know, since 2001, has an intricate knowledge of how the market really developed. Um, and, you know, I've always kind of said that, you know, Grande kind of is on the same kind of trajectory. There are some few differences there, but uh, I mean, we're not seeing thousand dollars a square meter in grande but you know we are seeing what you know probably in the 300 to 400 dollars a square meter you know it continues to creep up uh but the beachfront closer stuff you know is 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 very close uh you know it's probably like five six hundred dollars a square meter it's kind of just the setback from from there in grande so Anyway, we'll see kind of, you know, what happens over the next coming months and also year. Uh, I think we can see there's a bit of softening in the market, which I love because, again, you know, it's uh, I, I think everybody loves a deal, um, you know, and the the I think it's it's moving in a lot of markets to a seller's market. Uh, sorry, a buyer's market uh, rather than a seller's market. But there are still some markets that are still very strong on the seller side, like Tamarindo condos. There just aren't that many available. So. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed that podcast there with Brandon, you know, his viewpoint of just how it's kind of gone out from Nasada to Delicias in Gaza and Austin now. Um, and just great vacation rentals is, you know, walking either ocean view or walking distance to the beach there. So, but remember guys, if you want to reach out to us, you can do info at investingcostarica.com. That's info, info at investingcostarica.com. All the contact details are in the description. I um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you have, guys, please give us a uh, five stars, thumbs up, uh, and share this podcast with anyone that you think it might be helpful for. Um, a lot of you have uh, contacted me saying, hey, Richard, it's been, thank you very much for getting all this information and giving these contacts out there. People that have been on the podcast have thanked me because they've got a lot of business from it. And that's really it. You know, it's just trying to get the word out there um, because Costa Rica, fortunately and unfortunately, it fortunately is a disorganized paradise. Um, but there is some beauty in that as well. I, well, I think there's huge amounts of beauty. But anyway, until the next podcast, guys, we'll catch you later. Bye. The number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica.